ever. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. A little beat drop, and then you come in, A.B. I like when things are rhythmic. It reminds me of my my spin classes or something. I don't this, know. This song always reminds me of, uh, every single time, it reminds me of The Office. The what? wedding scene. Oh, every time. yeah. Like, oh I just want to sit here and do, like, Michael Scott swimming motions every time I hear this song. Okay, wait. I think Kristen Shelton likes The Office. Let's get her to confirm. Our, our, one of our favorites, ESPN NHL reporter Kristen Shelton on the phone. Office lover, right? You know, I, I wish that I could say that I love the show. Oh, why I did I, I think that? I Kristen, it's been great. We're going to have to go. I'm sorry. We cannot have this slander. Oh, no, sorry. I only brought it up because I thought that was the case. Maybe I've just seen you tweet a quote or something uh. like that. You know, I I thought the show was was great, and then it sort of veered in a direction, and then it kind of went off the deep end, and yeah, it kind of ruined the whole the whole uh, shebang for me once it got to the Will Ferrell point. <laughs> yeah, so. it did right, it right. a little bit. Yeah. Early iterations were fantastic, though. And yes. also, we, but you got to know when to quit, right? You got to know when to when to say when. Yeah, oh, Grey's yeah. Anatomy. We're looking at you. We're oh, looking at you. How, yes, how I Met Your yes. Mother. That how show needed to mother. be about fifteen minutes short. Fifteen <laughs> yeah. minutes shorter on that finale would have been great. Also, that whole last season, it was like within a four day long weekend, and it was nine epi- like oh, twenty four episodes yes. long. For 72 hours worth of content? That was insane. Um, but, you know, it, actually, we were just talking about memeable things, talking about how ah. Sheldon Keefe, very memeable. The Office is one of the most, like, memed shows, I think, in, in history. Great lines, great moments, yeah. great episodes, and a couple great seasons. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, for me, I wouldn't say love. I would say enjoyed at times. Okay, uh, wouldn't say love, enjoyed at times, and maybe maybe that's a good way to transition into where Leafs Nation is at with the the goaltending right now because it was excellent to start the season, and then last night first pull of the year, so and then Samsonov came in and played really well. That wasn't my best transition ever, but it's what I had in the moment, I so I decided great. to commit to it. I Thank you. I thought it was pretty good. Not gonna lie, I appreciate it. But Kristen, you had the chance to sit down with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov for. Uh, not a one-on-one, I suppose a, a two-on-one. And you had them do kind of a word association Wednesday, which is a game that A.B. and I play on, on Wednesday. And you had Matt Murray give one word for Samsonov, and Samsonov give one word for Murray. And Murray got hardworking, Samsonov got fun guy. If, if you were to do a word association Wednesday, uh, just on the Leafs tandem right now, what comes to mind first? I would say paradoxical right Ooh, now. Good for word. Me. Wow. Ooh. I th- and I think that that extends from their personalities to the way that they interact with each other to the way that they have been playing right now. I mean, last night was such the, almost like the perfect microcosm of them as a tandem because they really do support each other. They pick each other up and they push each other. And you saw last night Matt Murray needed to be picked up. That was not a, a good game for him, and Samsonov came in, and, and he saved the day. And you know what? There's going to be a, a time where Samsonov's going to have a bad game and Murray's going to come in and save the day. And that's just what they do for each other. And, and when you have that kind of uh, tandem and you have that relationship that I saw, at least, and that you can see off and on the ice, I mean, that's, that's something that is going to be really crucial uh, for the Leafs to continue to nurture uh, into the second half of the season as we saw last night, how it really is just so important to have two goaltenders who at any time can kind of take over and, and, and save your butt if you need it. 
Yeah, and I thought what was great was after the game, Matt Murray was speaking and just speaking very glowingly. Like, he was flat-out asked, did you agree with you getting pulled? And he's like, yeah, like, I thought it gave the team a spark. And then Sammy came in and played great. Like, he was very much on board and supportive of uh, of his fellow goaltender. I-, I mean, you sat down with these guys. What was something that you learned about their relationship that uh, that you appreciated? You know, I think that there's... In my career, you know, I've been lucky to be around a lot of different players, a lot of different personalities, and and sometimes you can tell that guys are, are a little uncomfortable around each other, or and then other times you can see, like, wow, you know, they really do have that chemistry that you see maybe on the ice, and they have it off the ice as well. And and I, what I just really liked about my conversation with them is that just how easy they were. Uh, around each other and in talking to each other and interacting and and there was just a great flow to the conversation and to I thought their banter with each other I thought that it was just really um, almost like familial you know and and it really I, I think that that's something where when you have a lot of turnover at a position both these guys came in from difficult situations you know Matt Murray Obviously, being in Ottawa, that wasn't working out. People questioned his ability to still be a starter in this league. Samsonov doesn't get a qualifying offer from Washington after a really bad year for him. His worst uh, of his career, and, and people are like, you know, this is this is going to be your tandem as these two like cast off. And then they come in, and and you just feel that almost bonding between them and 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 maybe it has something to do with that of being two guys that uh had something to prove when they came to toronto but at the same time they are very loose they're very relaxed there there wasn't any tension there wasn't it just didn't feel you know it didn't feel forced at all it just felt very natural so i think it's a real genuine relationship between the two of them. It's a real genuine partnership. And to have developed that over just the course of a few months, I think it just speaks to both of them, uh, the people that they are, the character that they have. And we know that the Leafs prioritize high character guys. And so I get why they would have targeted both of them. Uh, it definitely seems like they've uh, they've got two good ones there with both of uh, Murray and Samsonov. Yeah, it was interesting also to hear just the perspective that they gave on for Samsonov specifically actually deciding to sign with the Maple Leafs and Matt Murray just kind of, it was obvious in, in the article and the way he's spoken about the Leafs that he was interested in becoming a Maple Leaf uh, before it actually happened. Did you find it interesting to kind of, since you've you have been in the Leafs locker room and kind of been a part of the fabric of things for so long to get the outsider perspective from those two guys as to what attracted them to the Leafs organization? Yeah, you know, I, it's always so interesting because players will say, you know, this is the this is the place that you want to play hockey. Like this is the best city to play hockey in and yet that can feel so counterintuitive to the the pressure that yeah. we hear about with with, you know, players that come to this market or guys who don't want to come here because there's so much pressure and I think it does again speak to the personality and the type of person that the player is. I mean, some guys just don't feel that, you know, and that's something that is, I think, maybe lost on even some fans is that some, some players come here and they don't feel that pressure. Like you, you might think, Oh, there's, there's this, this huge hunger and, and desire in the city. And then, and they just, you know, they'll eat, you know, they'll love a player one day and then they hate him the next, but some guys just don't ride that roller coaster. It's just not in their nature. And other guys do. And you see the players that come in and excel and succeed. They're the ones that don't ride the Toronto hype 
coaster, you know, and that's sort of been my experience in the last six, seven years of being around this team is, you know, that's why I think Austin Matthews, for example, just has the perfect personality for this team because he doesn't ride the roller coaster of now they're saying he's great. Now they're saying he's terrible. He just, he's just very able to stay even keeled. And that's where he like for Samson off when he gave his answer, he was like, well, it's not every day, but you had a chance to play in Toronto because Toronto's the best. And this is where I want to be. And this is where I want to come play. And even Murray, you know, he's been in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, look at what's happening in Pittsburgh right now. I mean, the Penguins are struggling. They've got all of these questions about their aging core and what's going to happen. And, you know, this is the time where Pittsburgh, you know, fans and, and the media and all of that, it's pressure too. And and Murray said there's pressure everywhere you go. He's been under it, uh, you know, plenty of times in his career. But uh, it really, I think, is it's a – it's a spotlight that some guys just don't sweat under because they've been through enough in their careers that they just understand that Toronto is just another place where expectations are high because they should be. There's a lot of money invested in these players. There's a lot of money invested in this team. They're supposed to be good. This is their window. So how is it pressure if that's just what the expectations were? And that's really what I felt like their philosophy was in talking to them. We're chatting with Kristen Shilton, ESPN NHL reporter. She did a fantastic piece on the goaltending tandem on ESPN.com. You can go and check that out. Um, Kristen, I want to ask you about, you you were talking about culture in in reference to the goaltenders, but I'm curious, as somebody who has covered this team for for quite a while, we are having this conversation earlier about how it seems like in the last week or so, I mean, maybe a little bit longer, that this team is really starting to stick up for each other and stick up for themselves. Like last night was a great example with Bunting going after Cousins after, you know, sticking up for Matthews, you had Zach Aston Reese going after Gudis after what he did with Engvall. I mean, when you are in the locker room, do you sense that this group may be one of the tighter ones that you've covered over your course uh, since you've been here covering the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know, it's always so hard to say because as the media, we're, we're limited in, in what we do get to see and how many players we get to see. You know, they're pretty good at, at sneaking off or, or getting away before we get to come in. So you don't always get to see those interactions as much as maybe we have in the past. Um, but what I will say is that when you see the things uh, like you just mentioned on the ice, it does speak to the culture that's going on inside the room. That's definitely uh, a, a correlation. And this is an organization that in the past has been criticized for not having enough of that, um, I guess, that punch or that pushback. Uh, where, you know, they're, they're, they've been criticized as, oh, you know, they're just these like soft skill players who, you know, they don't have enough of that physicality. They don't have enough grit. They, that's what's going to hold them back in the postseason, especially is that no one is going to stand up for each other and, and they're not going to stand up for themselves. And you see that with like Matthews even not, not taking, you know, not taking any guff from anybody else and not allowing themselves to be pushed around. And, that is something that I, I do think players talk about. I think that they make it a discussion point. And when you really like your teammates and when you really respect them, not just as players but as people, I mean, you don't want to see somebody being taken advantage of. You don't want to see, uh, you know, you're, you don't want the rest of the league to know that, hey, you can come after our stars because that just sets a really bad precedent. And, you know, it was Wayne Simmons before. It's still Wayne Simmons at times now. But, like, in terms of every night players, that's what Bunting can bring. That's why you get a Zach Aston Reese. It's, it's why you get those those role players and those fourth 
and third line uh, spots because that's the kind of um, you know, depth that, you know, we talk about, you know, forward depth, defensive depth, but like, what about the depth of your character and the depth of, um, I think different, uh, you know, different personalities and, and just different skill sets. And that's, um, something that you want to establish a tone for your team that, yes, we are skilled. Yes, we do have, you know, some, some guys that, uh, you know, are, are highly, highly skilled and that doesn't make them soft though. It doesn't make us a soft team. We, we, have that uh, that pushback and that's where I see the growth of the Leafs and and you know they're not, they're not weathered veterans obviously at this point but they've been around long enough to know that if you don't assert yourself then it gets around and then other teams know we can push these guys around and that is a uh, I think a narrative that the Leafs have dealt with before and it's one that obviously this season they're not going to allow it to continue. You know, it's just like we've been, we're playing Word Association Wednesday and just hearing you speak really, a word stuck out to me and it's layers. There's a lot of layers to this team, which hasn't really been the case in the past. Like you said, it's been a lot of the same thing. And now you look this season, they add a Zach Aston Reese, they bring in a Dryden Hunt, they bring in a Connor Timmons, who's a little bit of a bigger body. Like there's just more layers to this group, which allows them to be a bit more balanced. Yeah, and I think there's just not so much the emphasis of we have to score five to seven goals a night or we're not going to win games. You know, you, you see some, sometimes that's, that's the case. And, uh, you know, games like last night where, you know, you've got to kind of pull out a, a four or five goal performance, but it's not the, the calling card of the Leafs anymore where they're just an offensive giant that, uh, you know, is going to be, you know, trying to outscore you right to the final minute of the third period. It just, it's not their identity anymore. They're, they're more than that. They've become a more complete team. They've become a team that is very, um, I think, dialed in on the defensive side. It's a team that can beat you in different ways and with different players and different contributors. And uh, up and down the lineup, they just have so many different types of players, whereas I felt if we look back even like three years ago, it was a more one-dimensional group. It was just a more one-dimensional team. And that was probably frustrating for the players as well because you think you're good right like you think you know we're a great team because we can win and we can score and and then you get to those those grittier times of the year in the in the postseason or you face those tougher you know more physical teams and and you find that you're being stalled because they know how to slow you down and they know how to take away the one thing you're really good at and if you're only really good at one thing and where do you turn and then that's where i've seen the Leafs look lost and where we've seen them lose those those key battles and those key battlegrounds. So, you know, it's it's a long year. Like eighty two games is a long time. I think the the last uh, couple seasons of uh, where we where there were shorter campaigns, even like you could just you can just tell that eighty two games it's a lot to get through. You're going to see a lot of different versions of a team over eighty two games, but this version of the Leafs, I think, is is highlighting how far they've come. Uh, over the last couple of years, you're seeing the maturity, you're seeing the growth, you're seeing evolution. But I always just think you can't judge a team by one game or one week or a spell that they're going through. It's just, it, it's not fair. I mean, it, you've got to look at the whole body of work. And I think the whole body of work, not every single night has been flawless, but you just see in the whole grand scheme of the big picture of this Leafs team through the first half, there's a lot of layers, as you say. There's there's some depth of character that uh, maybe was lacking for them in the past. 
Yeah, definitely more of a dynamic group, definitely has more layers to them than groups we've seen in the past, and I think that's been widely acknowledged. New characters have added to those layers and, and getting some more sandpaper and things like that in the lineup, and also just the, the character development of some of the core pieces that have been in the lineup for a long time. And when you were talking about players who were all skill, uh, maybe perceived as a little bit soft by your average Toronto uncle or, or whoever might be talking about it. It <laughs> sounded like Chris. you were describing. Yeah, uncle it Chris. sounded like you were describing Chris. the way someone's uncle might talk about William Nylander. But William Nylander has <laughs> has made crazy strides defensively this year. And AB pointed out to me this morning that he's third in the NHL in takeaways this season. So, how much do you think William Nylander? I don't know. How how do you think his character development has has added to this this character development of the group as a whole? Well, I think when you see the star players on a team being more engaged in whether it's the defensive side, whether it's the physical side, whether it's takeaways, you know, when you see or you're blocking shots, those there's always going to be an ability to score from players who have scored their whole careers. That's what they do best. But in the past, we've seen William Melander really just focus on, hey, I, you know, I want to put goals in the net. Give me the puck. I want to score. That's it. But then you know what happens is you get tired of losing. You get tired of being run out of the first round every year. And you get tired of the narrative that this is all I can do. And I think that that's true of a lot of people in their careers, no matter what your career is. I mean, you always want to be better. And you don't want to have to hear the same criticism all the time of the same elements of your game. Like, this is all you can do. That's all that he is. This is why William Nylander is not worth, you know, $6.9 million a year because all he can do is score goals, doesn't do anything else. And after a certain point, it's not even that as a player you take it personally, but you just get frustrated with the result, which is that the result's not there. So I think anybody who's looking at, you know, Nylander in that room, any of his teammates are going to say, hey, this is a guy that has actually taken steps to improve himself and to become better and when you embrace those changes and when you do the hard things the things that maybe you don't want to do the things you're being challenged to do Sheldon Keith has challenged William Nylander to grow as a player he's done that since the Marley days it just hasn't a player has to decide he wants to do it and when you see William Nylander stepping up the way that he has, he's a calm, cool, collected customer all the time. He's very much like Matthews. They just have the right personality to not ride the roller coaster of Toronto hype. But they want to be the best. That's the thing. That's what separates the good from the great, is that they want to be the best. And obviously, the, there's some players in that Leafs room that believe there's always going to be more that they can give and more that they can do because they want to win. They want to win a championship here, and they want uh, that opportunity to experience what they haven't experienced yet, which is a long playoff run. So in order to do that, I think when you see uh, those top players really push back against you know, the the critics and, and push back against, not even the critics, but just push back against the challenges that they've maybe faced in the past and in being one-dimensional and, and making themselves more, uh, you know, involved and, and doing the things that aren't as fun. You know, William Elander doesn't score for a few games, but it doesn't mean that he's not having an impact. And in the past, we might have said that. Well, if he's not showing up on the score sheet, Newlander's not really doing as much as he could be for this team, but that's not the case anymore. Uh, and I think when you're a team that, that sees that growth, especially 
considering a lot of these teammates Nylander's had for a long time, it really does, uh, I, I think, motivate everyone else. And, and you just want to make sure that if this guy is going to, you know, push himself, well, hey, I'm, I'm going to do the same for me. Last one for you, Chris, and we only got about a minute here. But I did see you tweeted yesterday about how the Jets are not being talked about enough. They're going to be in Toronto tomorrow. So I'll give you the floor, Kristen. What would you like to say about the Winnipeg Jets? Listen, the Winnipeg Jets have been highly underrated this year. Rick Bonus has gone in there, and he's he's just tidied them up. He's got the same group, essentially, as that was underachieving, and now he's got them probably wildly overachieving. Connor Hellebuck not getting the love that he deserves, I don't think, for how good he's been this year. But across the board, look at what Josh Morris he's done. Mark Shifley has been terrific. They didn't have Nick Ehlers. They've been through so many injuries. They had guys in and out of the lineup. And yet the Jets continue to rise. They continue to be great. And I just think Bonus has been that breath of fresh air that they needed. They probably wish they'd made some sort of coaching change sooner based on how it's going. But the Jets, I am looking forward to seeing how they fare tomorrow against the Leafs. I think that's going to be a real matchup defensively, offensively, and goaltending-wise across the board. I can't wait to see how it plays out tomorrow. And that's become a rivalry. Yeah. Last couple games, there's some animosity there, so I'm excited for that one, too. Rick Bonus, by the way, on Overdrive today at 5.05, so you can listen to that here on TSN 1050. Kristen, appreciate it as always. We'll, uh, We'll chat again real soon. Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right. There... She goes. Kristen Shelton, one of her favorites. Um, go check out her piece, by the way, the one on uh, the goalie tandem on ESPN.com. It was, uh, it was great.